I'm Kareen, and you're listening to Eat Like an Artist, the podcast that celebrates creatives, mindful entrepreneurship, and mental wellness. Each week, we dive into practical business advice and deep conversations among creative friends and role models, speaking openly and inclusively about life as an artist. We don't believe in gatekeeping because everyone's welcome. This is your community too. Let's find the balance within creative entrepreneurship with all the love for the art and none of the burnout and self-doubt. Hello and welcome to another episode of Eat Like an Artist. Today we're going to be diving a little bit more into sales and before we actually start this episode, because this is a little expansion on a section that we covered in episode 33, Eight Ways to Get More Comfortable with Sales, I definitely suggest for you to listen to that episode before diving into this one, especially if you're still a little iffy about the whole concept of sales and need a mindset shift. And even for those of you who have already seen that episode, it totally makes sense for us to get a bit of a refresher and a reminder that sales are all about building client relationships, communicating value, and making sure you strengthen those relationships with the people that you help with your creative gift. And once again, we do not need to subscribe to the sleazy salesman stereotype. We do not need to immediately think that if we talk about anything money related or anything about sales or even utter the word sales that we can end up becoming a sleazy salesman because we're not. We are totally people who are so heart driven, who are so purpose driven, who love the work that we do and we want to share that love towards other people and most of the time a lot of the creative gifts that you all have are things that are going to impact people so positively it only makes sense for us to be able to communicate that value to others and to receive funds so that we can continue making the impact that we do yes it's very uncomfortable to talk about money and it's so uncomfortable to talk about sales however you know when we really incorporate great practices like truly listening and learning from the people that we work with that helps you build trust. It helps you understand your client needs, identify opportunities, and most of all, differentiate you in the market because how many of us know truly amazing listeners in our lives? It is something that is a buried art, something that is hard to find. However, I am so excited to talk with you today about it so that we can both become better listeners and learn from this. Let's also give ourselves the reminder that we are creative entrepreneurs. We are creative business owners. And as creative entrepreneurs, we actively listen to our clients, our customers, our collaborators, all the wonderful people we just get to in interact with on a daily basis. And we adapt to their evolving needs so that we can show ourselves in the competitive market, whatever industry that we're in, that we are somebody here that deserves to take space because we have something meaningful and impactful to show to the world and again as business owners we are problem solvers so by offering unique solutions that address specific client pain points or preferences we as entrepreneurs we are able to carve out that distinct position in our market and attract our ideal client our loyal following and we can then enhance uh, the perceived value of the brand that we have built and drive sales growth. Again, the sales, you know, it's something that will, even for me, it takes a while to get used to and even be able to talk to people. But again, it is to its core, the way that we can ensure that we can continue to fund, continue to fuel the mission that we have. 
And although the listening and learning section was a small section within our episode 33 sales episode, there's still a lot of mindset shifts that come with us being able to take in client feedback. And it is difficult. It is truly difficult. I remember so many times taking things a little bit way, 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 way too hard. And it blinded me from being able to see the solution or to be able to make sure that everyone's boundaries, including my own, are healthy and none of them are crossed. So before we even get to the mindset shifts, I really want to remind you that if there has ever been a time that you have reacted in a way that you didn't really like to a feedback, you know, you reacted negatively to it, you may have gotten defensive, you may have gotten resistant to the feedback you were provided, don't beat yourself up. I have beat myself up way too many times to have anyone else in my life feel that same way. So remember to give yourself a little bit of grace because we're all learning and we all make mistakes on things and we can always look towards just getting 1% better every day. And so what mindset shifts do we need so that we're able to take in that client feedback without getting defensive or being resistant to change and therefore becoming better listeners? And so I've got eight really quick mindset shifts for you. Number one being embracing the growth mindset, adopting that mindset that really focuses on continuous improvement. Like we said, even if the improvement is just 1% every day, that is going to add up so quickly and lead you to so many wonderful, amazing opportunities. And also looking at the feedback as not as something that is a personal attack or a criticism, but it's an opportunity to grow and develop. Number two is practicing self-awareness. Whenever we actually develop more self-awareness and have daily practices within our lives so it's easier for us to recognize our own biases, emotions, and reactions when receiving feedback, it helps us become more mindful if we have any defensive tendencies or are resistant to change that may arise and can sometimes affect the work that we have. For example, you know, I, I'm still quite a young kid. <laughs> like, I am in my home office right now at the age of 25 feeling like I still have so much to learn but I have also learned very much in the short while that I have been on this earth and one of the big things is that self-awareness is understanding that sometimes when I did receive feedback in the moment I very much would just you know take it under the chin and just nod it at it but you know I'd come back and I would sit with the feedback and instead of seeing it as something that was an opportunity to learn and develop, I saw it not as a personal attack or a criticism either, but almost a proof that there is a fault in my being as a whole. Like I took it personally on like a cosmic spiritual level, thinking that my being was just so unredeemable. Like it was really wild, like where my mind was going when I would have some negative feedback. Like I took it to where like I wasn't necessarily angry at the person that provided the feedback, but it was more angry with myself that I showed such a negative side or such a imperfect side of myself. It was it was deep and it was very, very weird thought patterns with that. But these are things that it takes time for us to overcome, especially when there may be some of us that have lived so much of our lives being unsure of how to navigate the world and not necessarily understanding how there may have been past experiences that affect the way that we currently act 
And so practicing that self-awareness, doing those therapeutic exercises, taking time to sit in yourself and sit in with your body and seeing how it feels whenever you're starting to feel anxious, whenever you're starting to feel angry or whenever you're starting to feel happy or excited, like understanding you and yourself. It is a that is a long, long journey for this number two, but it's going to be something that's going to be incredibly helpful. And number three, you know, valuing the feedback as a gift. We mentioned this in a previous episode before, and I think it was the Terry episode where he used the metaphor of a gift when it came to feedback or when it came to advice. And I have loved that metaphor so much that I truly think it does help with viewing that feedback as a gift. That way you don't have the tendency to attach it to yourself and your soul and go into this incredibly existential dread that I went through. But you can also see it as something where, okay, what can I do to incorporate this gift in my life? You know, whenever we get Christmas presents, sometimes we get the present that is just, wow, this is perfect. I know exactly where it's going to go. And I think that's how we can react to feedback that we can process really well. But of course, there's feedback and there's some gifts that we receive where we see that there is a value in it, but we can't see it right now. So we kind of keep it around our house. We still are trying to think about what to do with it, but we don't immediately like toss it back in the person's face and like say basically F you about this. And so if we treat that feedback as a gift, you know, we may not necessarily know what its function is in our lives yet, but let's keep it around. Let's appreciate the contribution and the insights that that person gave to be able to give you that gift. And also on another side, sometimes the gift is just not meant to be for you. And so you don't necessarily have to take it in and integrate it into your lives. Because again, with feedback, it's not necessarily something that any feedback is going to be always 100% right in the moment. And so taking your time to really look at what you could do with it. And I think that goes right into number four, where we focus on the solutions and don't focus on the blame. When it comes to feedback, a lot of the time, we want to make sure that we address it constructively and address it in our in our own space, in our way to understand, okay, how can I learn from this? Rather than dwelling at who's at fault or defending your actions, you know, like I said, we don't shove a gift that we don't like back into somebody's face and just say F you because that's rude and not very nice and we don't want to do that. And so that's why we want to focus on solutions and want to focus on collaborating with the person that provided that feedback and provided that time. That way we can take the time as well to understand where that feedback is coming from and how we can grow from that. Number five, we have separate feedback from self-worth. Um, I explained it a little bit <laughs> a while ago, but definitely again, please detach your self-worth from feedback on your work and performance. While we as artists are so incredibly connected to the work that we do, remember that receiving feedback does not define your value as a person or even as a professional. And number six, uh, seek to understand because whenever we do ask for client feedback, whether that is informally after we have worked with them on a project or whether it's on an official like post project survey, we want to approach that feedback with a grain of salt, with genuine curiosity and a desire to understand their perspective fully. And so when you seek to understand, you know, whenever we do get feedback, if you need to ask clarifying questions, please do so. 
if you want to seek to uncover more of the underlying reasons behind the feedback that they gave, especially if it's something negative or they're asking to have you look more into an area of improvement, it's so much better to make sure that you understand and you listen attentively and you make sure that there's nothing that is miscommunicated because when you actually understand the needs and the expectations better of the people you work with, you can respond more effectively, more informed, and you can make meaningful changes from it rather than just jumping to conclusion about what they meant by XYZ. And number seven and number eight go pretty much hand in hand with a little bit of nuances between the two. And that's to acknowledge imperfection as well as celebrate progress, not perfection. So the first thing, remember and accept that no one is perfect and there's always room for improvement. And that we've got to learn how to be excited for that learning process towards improvement. Because when we actually are able to teach ourselves to embrace humility and have a willingness to learn from others, regardless of your level of expertise or experience, whether you're a beginner or an expert, that is where we can truly, truly be able to celebrate the journey and have such a great foundation to have longevity in the creative work that we do. And so also too, with acknowledging imperfections, also acknowledge the progress that you make in time, whether it is small or big milestones or victories. Every single step forward is an accomplishment and I don't think we do that enough times in our lives, even in our personal lives, but also in our professional lives. If we are even able to check one thing off our list, that is major, that is huge, that is impactful, that is awesome. And I want you to remember those because whenever we actually get time to celebrate progress and we have that time to understand how far we have come, it helps us so much to get through the tough times. Our brains, again, have that funny thing called negativity bias where it's very easy for us to remember a negative experience over maybe the 10 other positive experiences that we have. And so whenever we actually add in the daily practice and the constant practice of celebrating small victories and milestones, it becomes easier when you get to those big hurdles in life to remind yourself, okay, I have come this far. I have gotten to achieve so much. Even if that achievement is as small as getting up from bed, those are things that are worth recognizing. And so we've got a little bit of a warm up to the mindset shift and let's really dive more into the episode of listening and learning and how to improve active listening skills. And this was something that we spoke about in episode three. However, there was so much more we could really get into this. So when clients, collaborators, customers, and anyone that we work with share their feedback, you got to remember to listen attentively and without judgment. And that means do not sit in your head and try to think about what you're going to say next, because most likely once they're done talking, you're going to be like, holy shit, what am I supposed to say at this point? And it becomes an awkward situation. And I don't think any of us want to be in that. So definitely pay attention and that can be done by making that conscious effort to give someone your undivided attention, which means minimizing things that will most likely divide your attention, such as distractions like any phones or, you know, making sure that that phone that you seem to check on a lot, just almost habitually, 
you could turn off notifications. You can make it on silent whenever you're talking to somebody. That way it's just making sure that you stay within the moment because I'm sure many of us have seen many bad examples where people are on a more lighter example. People are on a date and the person that they're on a date with keeps checking their phone or they take calls while they're like at a nice dinner and they're not really interacting with the other person that they're with. And that makes the other person feel like they're not important in the moment. And that's something that we don't want to make anyone feel. And even if we don't intend it, you know, the impact is so, so apparent. So we want to really make sure that we are staying focused, removing those distractions that could easily like move our eyes somewhere else other than the person that we are talking to. And speaking of eye contact, make sure you maintain eye contact. I know this is something that's hard. And I have such a hard time saying and meeting with people with eye contact. Um, I've been told that I tend to dart my eyes um, side to side. And I don't know if it's just the way that my body has learned how to communicate. But, you know, I intentionally now try to make sure I try as much as I can to really focus into the person's eyes. And even, you know, if I sometimes break contact, I remember, okay, wait, maintain eye contact look at the person because that really will help you make sure that you're listening to them because if you're looking at them you're going to be really connected and when your focus is on their eyes and what they're saying you can really make sure that you understand everything that is coming out of their mouth and because their mouth themselves is moving when you have somebody that's talking to you especially if you're on like a client call like on zoom for example or you're meeting with somebody in person because you want to collaborate with them on a project avoid interrupting it's something that is easy for us to get into a habit too like where we interject our thoughts while the other person's speaking and it is a hard habit to break when we've made that and I self-admittedly have had that habit in the past but I've also learned that that's something that is not necessarily the best because interrupting can disrupt the flow of communication and it makes a speaker feel unheard which can affect the way that we can actively work with them and you know, provide them a valuable experience and provide them a moment where they feel very much appreciated. And so it's always best to wait for a neutral, natural pauses in the conversation before offering your input rather than stopping somebody while they're in mid-sentence. And if you were like past me and had that unfortunate habit of interrupting and interjecting your thoughts while the speaker is talking because you want to show that you're signaling that you're talking and you're paying attention to them um, but you unintentionally disrupted the flow of communication you can also use verbal cues to help signal to the speaker that you're actively engaged and listening to their story attentively and so you'll see many times whenever I do talk to people um, or even on the video recordings of the podcast for social media um, I try to nod my head. Um, I maintain an open posture to them. So my shoulders are facing towards them rather than facing away. And if they're saying something that has me super excited or I'm shocked, I use the facial expressions. And so having those nonverbal cues can still give them that ability to feel like they're heard without the like random verbal interruptions that could sometimes make some people feel like, okay, wait, like, let me, let me finish talking. Like, we don't want to have people feel like they have to do that. And so if you're wanting to, like, really agree with what they're saying, 
a simple head nod is something that is still very great for somebody to see and can really help you connect with them and foster a meaningful conversation with them even has something that's so simple as nodding your head and of course once somebody is done speaking maybe they were just introducing themselves or they were telling you what their pain point was or what the problem they were having and the solution that they were seeking that is a excellent opportunity for you to start asking clarifying questions so if you're not sure about something or need more information like don't hesitate to ask clarifying questions and so for example when i'm on client discovery calls i typically have a set of questions for people depending on what their responses are and so when i start those discovery calls i ask them to tell me about themselves because at the core i really want to know who they are as people and what their goals are in life or for the actual specific photo shoot that they're having. And a common question that I do get from people is that they are concerned about posing and they don't know how to pose. And so they're wondering if I could help them with it. And so I have a clarifying question right after they give me that. And I often ask them, how do you see yourself now and how do you want to be seen? And so this clarifying question is really to show that I'm actively engaged in the conversation. And I understand that the client that I'm working with has a main pain point that is around posing, which is totally common, which I tell them to give them that reassurance that is a totally common thing to ask. And because I asked that clarifying question, the reason for that is because everyone's answer is going to be different to that. If I decided to skip over that question and I decided to not figure out how somebody wants to be seen, when it comes to the day of the photo shoot, when it comes to the time that we get to produce the creative vision that they have, I may not 100% know and fully understand the person that I am working with creatively. And that can be an issue in the long run because if I'm not shooting them the way that they want to be seen, they may actually look at the final product and not be 100% satisfied with it. And that's something that I do not want for them. I really want them to feel incredibly confident in themselves. And Everyone's definition of their own confidence is so unique. And so that's why that clarifying question is so important. And typically I get the answer from somebody because they know how they currently see themselves and then how they want to see themselves after the shoot. And so usually whenever I do get the answer back, because there's so many unique answers from all the wonderful people, I also try to paraphrase and summarize it. And so by doing that, you're it feels like you're repeating what the person is saying, but it's also another way to cue in and let the speaker know, okay, the person I'm talking to is demonstrating that they have an understanding and they are making sure that they are fully clear about what I'm communicating and so by paraphrasing and summarizing you can clarify any misunderstandings because again back to the example of the clarifying question if I have a client that really wants to pose with more traditionally masculine type of posing and I paraphrase and summarize to them that okay so you want to have poses that are more traditionally masculine like we can do poses um I'm pretending as if I could, y'all could see me because this is an audio version, but usually I will have my own body like show them and demonstrate, oh, is this what you mean while we're on calls or on meetings? And they could say yes, they could say no, they can like clarify, oh, maybe that description wasn't um, the right description. Um, let's find that uh, balance point there. 
So if I didn't say, this is how I'm understanding it now, and I'm showing it to them and saying, hey, is this correct? Uh, I could easily have gone onto a photo shoot with the wrong idea and the wrong way of approaching the posing direction. And then therefore kind of messing up the value I was trying to demonstrate and communicate over to them. On another side, if we're thinking about asking clarifying questions and paraphrasing and summarizing the responses to those questions, when we are providing people, for example, our price guide with the different services or products that we have, you know, everybody has different needs. And we talk a lot about upsells when it comes to sales. You know, that's a thing that people always say like upsell, upsell, upsell. But sometimes the upsell may not necessarily be the right fit for the person. Because if we're focusing on the upsell, we may not be actually understanding that the person may actually work better with a smaller, more simpler package versus the big one that has all the bells and whistles. Maybe they don't need all the bells and whistles. For another example of asking the clarifying questions and then paraphrasing and summarizing the responses to those clarifying questions, we could look at when we present people our pricing on our services and products. For example, I was on a potential client call with somebody who's looking at the three main packages that I have. I had an hour one, a two hour one, and a three hour one. When we first started the call and I asked if she had any questions or was already sure about which package that she wanted, she immediately was like, I like the two hour one. But as we went through the discovery call and started talking more about her goals and understanding more about how she is as a person, it became clear that the first initial choice of the two hour one is not going to be necessarily the best choice for her and her goals. So for example, she really wanted to have a fun time with her first photo shoot, but also understood that this was the first photo shoot. She only really wanted to do one outfit um, and knew that it was going to take time for her to get allocated to the camera. And as we started talking and we started going back and forth with some clarifying questions with each other, I decided and thought, hey, because, and I repeated what she said, because it's your first photo shoot, you're kind of unsure about being in front of the camera and you want to only focus on one outfit. I provided a solution to say, hey, this may be a little daunting if we do a two hour one. That's a long time. It's a long time to be in front of the camera and typically two hour photo shoots, at least with how my business works, they allow more time for outfit changes. But if she only really wanted one and it just wanted something a lot more simpler, I told her, hey, let's go for the one hour and smaller one, which feels like an antithesis to the sales world that always wants an upsell. Like we want people to buy more. But however, we are people over profit here. So I really wanted to make sure that they felt heard. And so that's why I kept asking them questions about how they were feeling about the photo shoot and summarizing that, okay, that they had specific things that may actually fit with a pricing service, although it's the simpler one, it's going to be the best one at the end of the day. When it comes to those sales calls, discovery calls, consultations, um, networking events, or any time that you're essentially marketing and selling the work that you do, 
an amazing technique and it's a technique that we've mentioned before on here. It is an awesome improvisational technique called yes and that has helped with so many businesses and with a lot of the practices where we want to make people feel that they're valid and they feel like they're heard and they feel like they're supported. And so the yes and exercise, it is built on the foundation that we want to build upon other people's ideas rather than shooting them down. So if we're in a circle with people, somebody says that they are going to be bringing this type of food to the potluck or they're bringing this sort of like activity to the potluck, the next person in the scene will say, yes, and we're going to be doing this. And then it kind of goes on and on and on that people say, yes, and this is also going to be there. So that's one exercise where yes and works. It is used in so much of improv. If you've ever been to an improv show where you're watching the people on there and they're just incredibly hilarious and they're killing it on stage and you're thinking, oh my gosh, wow, it's so cool how they are just coming up with things on the spot. They really use that yes and approach because it allows them to continue to build the scene again like the foundation of the yes and is to build upon ideas and so no idea is ridiculous enough to add in an improv scene I mean that's why you'll see people say something incredibly out of pocket when they're doing improv and their scene partner is like yes that makes sense and they continue to adapt and respond to that unexpected situation that they were provided and so the same concept of yes and can be incorporated into businesses. Building off on the building on ideas when you are actually actively listening and saying yes and to the people that you're working with, it enables you to make sure that you're incorporating what ideas people are bringing to the table rather than dismissing and shutting them down. And so that fosters a lot of goodwill within the team as well as creativity and innovation for example whenever i have people that ask if they want to bring a certain prop on a photo shoot they'll say hey is it okay if i bring that i always say yes and you can even bring this and we can bring that and we continue to go back and forth and developing that approach within the business it also encourages that teamwork it encourages that mindset of being mutually supportive i mean if i immediately was just like no you can't bring that it's it kind of puts a downer with this stuff. I mean, of course, if there are rules like, you know, no pets in a studio space or anything like that, um, I do still communicate that over. However, I still try to say no with the yes and approach. So I can still say no with using the yes and approach and still having that ability to encourage collaboration in a good environment where we are respectful and trustworthy and inclusive of the people we work with. And so I use the yes to validate that that was a great idea you know we have a barrier maybe the studio space that we're going to be at doesn't allow xyz that they suggested but i tell them you know let's build off of that maybe let's do this instead and so that's offering the solutions without making people feel like you know they were wrong for bringing that up because no one's really wrong for bringing up ideas that may not work in the moment but what we can do is you know enhance that problem solving I mean, whenever we watch those improv shows, we don't see people say something that's like a funny out-of-pocket situation and their scene partner just be like, ugh, like, no, we're not doing that. Because that would have totally ruined the vibe. So we want to be able to add that 
into our businesses as well, where we're building upon each other's ideas and we can really make sure that we are co-creating the solutions. That's a huge part. I think we think that as business owners and as problem solvers, we're the only ones that have the time and the voice to really go to the solutions. But I really like to incorporate the people that I work with, whether they are a client, collaborator, potential client, um, or just anyone that I work with. Like I tell them that they have a space within this project to co-create with me. And it makes them feel validated and it makes them feel heard. And most of the time it makes them feel like, hey, I am providing money to this person and I'm feeling good about it because I'm investing in something that makes me feel like I'm having an impact, even if the impact is just in their own daily life, even if the impact is just them feeling a little bit more confident at the end of the day. And as we move to the learn part of this Listen and Learn episode, I do want to thank you so much for being able to listen to this episode and to just be a supporter of the podcast as well. Because what we do here is wanting to make sure that we can just share information, share insights, and get everyone inspired because it is it is tough. It is tough to do the work that we do. And it is tough to be a human being, honestly, in this hard world. And so if we can even just broadcast some conversations or some of my little home office monologues and somehow helps one person, it makes this whole passion project worthwhile. So after you've really listened and you've really truly have gotten the client feedback, you know, whether it's like informally, you ask them at the end of the project or even beginning or during the project, or if you have a more formal way of like a feedback form or a survey to gather that feedback, there will really not be any improvement if we don't have proactive steps towards addressing the feedback that we have. And so if you're sitting down at your desk and you find yourself having time to refine your product offerings, adjust your pricing strategy, or enhance your client experience or customer service, that is the time to be bringing out that client feedback um, notes that you have or that feedback form so that you can start implementing changes that demonstrate your commitment to being an excellent creative entrepreneur. So for example, within my own business, I got the client feedback that there was a need and a want for an easier way to book a session. And I got this from clients who were either fully booked and went through the whole process or people who were interested, but then they fell off because the process was hard and I lost that opportunity to work with them because, you know, many of us are already dealing with so many things in life. Like we want things to be easier. And so you want to make sure things are easy for the people that you work with. So I had to look back at what I was currently doing, you know, listening to that client feedback. I understood, okay, this is something that needs to be done as soon as I can. And at that time, how people could book, it was very arduous and not very automated of a way to book with me. So it would be something where people would have to DM me on Instagram. And that's if I was able to even like get to that message in time. And I would have to send people like an arbitrary list of like dates that sometimes changed because if other people booked that date I'd be like oh I'm sorry like that date's like not available and then from there I would have to manually put them in my google calendar and I sent them like a pdf document where they would have to print it out and then sign it 
and even as I am <laughs> explaining it, it was so much more complicated than it needed to be. And so it was no wonder that I had people who even gave that feedback and did in a book, which I totally am so thankful to them. You know, like I think we think that the people that ghost and fall off on booking with us, um, a lot of people just kind of push them to the side. But whenever they give some feedback or even their silence, like the people that ghost you, their silence is a way of giving you feedback as well that there needs to be changes that are implemented. And so that's why I started looking into different ways to get people to book with me easier. So that's why through Pixie Set, I had set up a booking site where people could look at all the different packages that we have. And once they click that, all of my available dates were already synced into my calendar. So I didn't have to individually message people. And it was always up to date. And so even from there, once they click it, I will go back in. All I need to do is just accept the inquiry and they're able to sign the contract, pay the deposit and get the confirmation that they've been booked already versus me having to do all of that so individualized. And it's, you know, because I am not a machine, I will accidentally forget to give somebody the confirmation email or I will forget to give somebody the session agreement in time. And so it just made the whole process easier because these tools are out there. And I truly thank the clients that gave that feedback and helped me become so much better in that process. And in addition to that, another example, I got the feedback even just from one person. So it doesn't even have to be like a whole bunch of people giving you the feedback where it makes you change things. I got feedback from one person that when they had the photo shoot, they had an amazing time, but they wished that it was a sunny day. And because of that feedback, I thought, oh my gosh, like that person thank you for telling me this because now I ask every single person that when it comes to weather because pictures do look different when it's a sunny day versus a cloudy day but I know that as a photographer and that's not necessarily something that every single person that I work with will know automatically off the bat it is on me to let that person know and to provide that clarifying question of hey does a sunny picture like this versus a cloudy picture like this which one do you want do you care about either or or are you more drawn to a sunny day picture or are you more drawn to a more moody cloudy day picture and that became an incredibly important clarifying question because that helped us avoid the uncontrollable weather and now implementing that clarifying question it helped us remove a obstacle that was avoidable, which would be somebody not feeling super great that we went ahead with a shoot on a sunny day. Like I have allowed people to reschedule if the weather, although it may not be raining, if it's cloudy, but they wanted like a sunny, super golden hour look to their photo shoot, I let them reschedule because I truly, truly do the job because I want to make sure that the creative work that I do impacts people and they feel super incredible about it and so I'll wait for a sunny day if need be so when it even comes to implementing changes you don't even necessarily need a ton of people to let you know that a change needs to be done even if it's that one person that tells you a feedback that is like big and major like that to the work that you do it's really great to start kind of being like okay let me tackle this before this becomes a repeat issue and so that saves so many headaches for you and the people that you work with and 
when it comes to implementing changes, the only way that you can really know that you have made an impactful change is to monitor your sales and your client satisfaction levels or some sort of key metric where you can gauge the effectiveness of the changes and efforts that you've made. So that could be through some sort of customer satisfaction score, you know, like implementing those surveys and those feedback forms. If you need to do like a five star rating or a number one to 10 score to get an average of how people have been feeling, that's a way to also track the changes in satisfaction cores over time so that you can assess that, okay, the listening and learning efforts that I've made are improving or they're not improving customer satisfaction. Again, you can't really improve what you don't track. So those are really great things to do. Um, Another metric could be repeat business or customer retention, you know, analyzing whether the improvements that you've had in your listening and learning efforts have led to increased customer loyalty or repeat purchases or more referral rates. That's another thing as well. You know, measuring the number of referrals generated by past clients that you've worked with who have provided positive feedback. You know, it's really awesome when you have customer advocacy and word of mouth marketing. That shit is so fucking powerful. So that can really help you see the impact of the listening and learning effort. Another measure as well is for sales and revenue growth. I mean, this is a sales episode after all. So monitoring your sales performance and revenue growth over time where you could analyze the improvements in customer satisfaction and engagement um, from your listening and learning efforts and how they have translated into increased sales and revenue. Um, I will say, take this measurement with some grain of salt, of course, because it's not just all about the numbers as well. You know, that's why you want to have both qualitative and quantitative sort of measures. Because just because you are making a ton of money, does that mean you're actually getting a full grasp of a customer's overall satisfaction so this is something that's like quite an easy thing to get obsessed over about when it comes to sales and revenue growth Um, it's still very important however we don't want to have this be off balance where you're not really thinking about the qualitative data of understanding oh how was the service for you is there any areas of improvement these are things that can't be measured if you don't actually ask like within a survey and get that qualitative result. And so you want to be able to have both. Although, you know, quantitative stuff tend to have some sort of like up over qualitative. It's still very important to know um, people's testimonials and reviews on things as well. You know, there's a lot of power when it comes to people's word. And again, like we said, word of mouth marketing, very, very powerful So we want to make sure that we still are also tracking that as well. There's definitely other ways to track it, and we can add these to the show notes as well. Um, And maybe more specific ways of how to actually track those things. So it is going to be too much for me to say all in one episode um, to explain how to track those things. So we'll definitely add that to the show notes. And so before we wrap up the episode, I want to make sure that you remember this last and important step which is showing appreciation so don't forget to express gratitude to the people you work with your clients your customers your collaborators whoever you work with especially if they're giving you the time to provide you feedback you know let them know that their input is valued and it has directly contributed to the improvement of your creative work and a simple thank you goes a long way in building those strong client relationships 
And that's why I want to, again, <laughs> give you so many flowers on making it to the end of this episode, as well as supporting Eat Like an Artist, our amazing, wonderful, lovely passion project that I want more and more people to listen to and to get engaged with. We have so many ideas of where this podcast can go and we have so much love for the people who listen. And so please provide us the feedback on how we can make this show better for you because while this show is being produced and made and it's hosted by people, the core of the podcast is you, the listener. So we want to make sure we are tackling the topics and the things that you want to listen to. Um, and even with all the ideas that we have, like potential future events or potential partnerships, if there are specific things that you want to see that you see needs to be done in the community. Please, please, please do not hesitate to give us that feedback. You can DM me at Karine Olarte on Instagram. That is C-O-R-I-N-E-O-L-A-R-T-E. And you can also email me at hello at kareenalarte.com and all my other contact information will also be on the show notes as well once again thank you so so much and i am so excited to see how much more you can elevate your creative business to new heights of excellence that's it for today's episode if you enjoyed it rate this podcast five stars and check out the link in the description to view the show notes everything in this episode is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace finance, tax, law, mental health, and other professional services. As always, we are here to support you because we don't believe in gatekeeping and we want all of our listeners to become thriving creatives. We'll continue the conversation about mindful creative entrepreneurship in next week's episode. Until then, stay inspired, keep creating, and eat some good food. This podcast was edited by Alexis Carrasquillo from Familia Creative Media.